In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. He is Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Well, Wisconsin's push for a Big Ten West title, almost certainly done. There are some scenarios in which Wisconsin could still get to Indianapolis to play for the Big Ten title, but those opportunities or chances are very minimal after they lose at Iowa 24-10. to we got a ton to get to. We'll uh, get into the Braylon Allen situation. We'll talk a little bit about Jim Leonard and the job. We'll get to your Twitter questions as well. I think, though, Jesse, obviously we'll start with the game. Uh, there's a, a couple of different things uh, to get to within the game itself. And I think uh, we need to start with, you know, we w- what we've seen for most of this year is a offense that when they play a team with a defense that is good to elite, uh, it struggles to do pretty much anything. And when you think about the identity of this offense and what they can count on against the, an opponent, no matter who it is, I don't think they necessarily have that right now. Um, they put up 227 yards of total offense. Graham Mertz, one touchdown, two interceptions. They run 51 time, uh, excuse me, 31 times for 51 yards. They couldn't protect Graham. They got sacked four times. They couldn't hold on to the ball. They turned it over three. They just don't have anything you can count on right now. And give credit to Iowa's defense because it's a very, very good defense. But when you hold the other team to 146 yards and you lose by 14, that's not great. The offense, special teams, did not get it done for Wisconsin at Iowa. We knew going into this game with teams that are so similar, that have outstanding defenses, that it was going to come down to which team made the fewest mistakes because the margin for error is very slim, as it is most years when Wisconsin plays Iowa. And Wisconsin was in the negative in all those categories, and you laid it out pretty well. Iowa certainly deserves a lot of credit for that defense. There is a reason why Iowa's miraculously six and four with one of the worst offenses in the power five. And it's because the defense has been able to make plays and it did again. I think Iowa came into that game first in the country and in, in fewest yards allowed per play and was in the top 10 in basically every major defensive statistical category. Having said that, I thought Wisconsin had at least shown some semblance of life the last couple of games. I know there wasn't much to speak of in the passing game against Maryland because the weather conditions were bad. But the running game, it seemed like, was coming together with the the two-man combination of Braylon Allen and Isaac Arendo. And as you said, and I agreed, and I wrote about it during the week, that that felt like the best five offensive linemen Wisconsin had. And that offensive line was just totally outmatched. <laughs> it was some of the same issues that we've seen all season with penalties. Trey Wedig had the worst game of his young career. And obviously, there's a lot of potential there and a lot of hope for the future. And can't imagine he's you know, dealt with kind of very often what he faced against Iowa, but he had multiple penalties, eventually got replaced by Michael Fertney. Jack Nelson had a 15-yard clipping penalty, got beat on the, the last turnover that Wisconsin had. We got beat off the edge, and, and Graham fumbled. So there wasn't much help with the line. Graham had an awful game other than the one throw to Keontes Lewis, which was pretty big because it was at least a bounce-back moment after a pick six. And the running game stunk so i 
it just kind of leaves you feeling like this is what Wisconsin football has been all year. You don't know what to expect from game to game, but when you play good teams, this has been the scenario more often than not. And that is certainly a disturbing trend for the Badgers because this is the kind of game that Wisconsin had hung its its collective hat on for such a long time. And, and now they're losing and continuing to fall farther behind these other West division teams. They are. And again, there's going to be significant changes after this season, whether yes. Jim Leonard gets the job or not. Right. So what we're looking at on offense, I, I just can't, I, I felt this no matter what happened the last two weeks uh, or even offensively, since, you know, Paul Chris left, I felt that there's good, there was going to be a change. Certainly, obviously nothing here has uh, made me go off of that. There's going to be a change. There's going to be, I think, significant changes on the offensive staff and potentially the offensive identity of this team. Now, you're still always going to be a, a run team first because that's what Wisconsin has in its backyard with the big guys and that type of thing. That's what you're going to be. But there's different ways to get it done. And right now, the way that Wisconsin's trying to get it done, it, it just isn't against good defenses. But, you know, that was not the only issue, right? Going into this game, there were a few keys, right? For me, it was don't turn the ball over and give Iowa's offense a short field because otherwise they cannot move the ball. And that proved to be correct. Iowa could not move the ball against Wisconsin's defense. We'll talk about how great Nick Herbig was and how great Keanu Benton, the defensive line, was and the inside linebackers and what they were able to do to that uh, Iowa offense for much of the day. But you you can't give them short fields. And... While Grant, while the offense did turn it over three times, Grant Mertz threw a pick six. That wasn't the only unit that gave them a short field. It turned out that the special teams wanted to give them a short field as well. They have the punt blocked in deep in their own territory. Two plays later, Iowa in the end zone. Dean Ingram allows a ball to dribble down to the one yard line, backing you up. They get, you know, a little. They get a little push out. Uh, of the end zone, they get a first down. But they eventually have to punt deep in their own territory, and Iowa goes forty-one yard, uh, forty-one yard return, sets up another short touchdown drive. Those were their two drives, their two scoring drives. Those were that was essentially it for them in terms of uh, scoring touchdowns. The special teams let them down significantly, and it has been an issue at times. But yesterday, it was uh, very, very bad. And it let the, it let them down because they those were those they needed to win in special teams they needed to win in defense they needed to hold their own in offense and offense and special teams let them down significantly. It was the worst special teams performance of the season in the very game that you couldn't have that happen because these two teams are so similar. And the Andy Vunovich who had the punt blocked and we t- we had a chance to talk to him after the game and. Props to him for coming out and facing the music, uh, even though some of it wasn't necessarily his fault, just knowing that he's going to get those questions. But that was the first time Wisconsin had a punt block since the 2017 season against Purdue. And John Torchio said that it was his fault. Now, uh, Deontay Craig slipped through the punt protection. It was Hunter Wohler and, and John Torchio. Torchio said that was supposed to be his guy, and he said he what, felt terrible about it. What, 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 that big guy's as, biggest uh, shit. As, yeah, no, biggest <laughs> shit. shit. Biggest shit coming at yes, me. Biggest shit. Came right on me, ran up and under and just got his hand up. But he said he had to step to contact. So obviously that was a mistake. As you said, Iowa gets the ball at Wisconsin 17-yard line. It takes two plays for Iowa to then score and take a 7-3 lead. The the Then there was another one. The, the one that was the 41-yard punt return, Andy said that. And the conditions weren't great for punting either. Obviously, it's November football. But he said that it was supposed to go, I think he said to the – uh, left. It was supposed to be, go a certain direction, 
And the way that the wind was taking it and the way that he hit it, it went the other direction, which impacted the the unit's ability to tackle. But either way, you've got to respond to adverse situations. And they didn't. And they were awful on special teams. And I think and this begs the next question and why Jim was asked about it is if he should get the full time job. What is the plan with special teams? Um, It's easy to ask that question after a game like this, but it's worth asking because, as we know, after last season when Paul Christ made some coaching changes, he dissolved the full-time special teams coordinator role. Chris Herring went over to tight ends because Mickey Turner went into the recruiting department, and he essentially left the special teams up to different coaches to handle different roles. And Leonard didn't flat out say that if he got the job, he would hire someone full-time, but he said that they absolutely need to have a dynamic special teams unit and whatever it takes, it takes. And if that's someone that's dedicated to a full-time role, you know, obviously that's something he would explore, but they've got to be able to create momentum and slot, stop the bleeding when things get rough. And um, it was just, it was the worst performance by that unit in a game where they couldn't afford it. Well, the thing about Jim is that that was such a huge part of his career at Wisconsin. Yes. I mean, he's the all-time leader leader in punt return yardage at Wisconsin. Like that was, I mean, he had, I think he had three returns for touchdowns in his career. He continually, continually gave them the chance to uh, change momentum within special teams. And that has been, that has not been the case with their return units and certainly was not the case last night with their coverage units, uh, obviously specifically with the punt team. But he talked about going into that Iowa game that and he was, was talking about the punt return. You can't let the ball hit the ground. Like in yardage. Yeah. If you allow it to hit the ground, it's going to be a problem. And when Dean Ingram did that in the third quarter in the ball, eventually with Tory Taylor, who's a fantastic punter, I don't necessarily think he had a great game yesterday. Um, certainly had plenty of opportunities, but that one play was uh, it was 14 to 10 at that point. And after that, Wisconsin, I mean, the Iowa scores. It's a all of a sudden it's a two score game again, and you know Wisconsin really never threatened again. So I'm at there were a lot of things that went wrong for them in a bunch of different ways, and you know you you mentioned Graham, he wasn't accurate at all. No, uh, a lot of throws off his back foot when he did get protection, and his accuracy was was all over the place. And I don't we didn't get a chance to talk to him after the game. Uh, UW said he was getting uh, treatment. Uh, they did not give us an injury as to what it I mean, but he has been picking himself up off the ground a bunch lately. And that's not an excuse for him. It's just, you know, him getting treatment after the game makes plenty of sense. So in total, offense and special teams didn't play good enough for them to win. It just didn't. Neither one did. And in a game where you had to have it, when you get the help that you needed earlier in the day, with Purdue going into Illinois and handing them their second straight loss to give Illinois three losses in, in the conference, it was setting up perfectly. We were talking before the game. God, I can't believe they're going to do this. Are we really going to have to go to Indianapolis in a couple of weeks? Um, because everything was falling their way. And like Minnesota last year, when they had an opportunity to win the West and go and play in a Big Ten title game against uh, against Michigan, they couldn't get anything going offensively and they lost the special teams battle. So all those things really was it unexpected, I guess, is what I'm saying. As special teams, I, I personally think that they haven't been great, whether it was Chris, whether they have a dedicated special teams coach or not. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I, 
maybe you think they have. I don't. Like, I, I've always been the opinion you don't need a special teams coach. All these, uh, what you do as a special teams coach, and then what you do without a special teams coach. All these guys were still coaching various aspects of special teams during those periods. You know what I mean? It's not like that they all of a sudden Chris Herring's handling absolutely every special teams period. And these coaches, these other assistant coaches are off with their guys that uh, uh, aren't taking special teams reps and working like that's just not, that's not how it has ever been, whether they had a special teams coach or not. I still believe you don't necessarily need one, but again, to each his own, that's irrelevant at this point. Jim Leonard is going to make that decision when, uh, when he gets the job, but, Offensively, there's no way Bobby Ingram's back, right? I, I know. I'm, I know. I'm kind of putting you on the spot there, but like, well, I, just, it, I can't it, see it, it. It's it's really tough. Um, it felt like the offense was building some momentum, and it it this is strange part of this conversation in my mind because some people want to say, well, should Jim Leonard be judged on these seven games because it's not his team? And does the record really matter if he's got a clear vision for the future? And I totally understand that. And I think at least in part, I agree with some of it. You clearly have to show some progress. On the other hand, if you're Bobby Ingram and you're the offensive coordinator and you are hired by Paul Christ, you absolutely have to be judged on these seven games because your future is dependent on it. And it felt like in these last two games and really even some of the changes dating to the Northwestern game, like they were making positive strides. They were doing things that allowed the offense to be a bit more dynamic. Talk about the pistol and the success they had there. But this was just such a huge step back that it does call into question, you know, what the future is going to hold. And it comes back in my mind to if Leonard ultimately earns the permanent job that he has to make it this team in his image. And again, he didn't hire any of these assistant coaches and if he believes somebody is out there that can help make the, the offense more dynamic, then he's got to go get him. So I'm not going to sit here and say with two games left in the regular season that Bobby Ingram absolutely shouldn't be back or can't come back. But what happened on Saturday was sort of a further indictment on just the inconsistency of the offense, uh, not just this season, but the last few seasons. But when you're getting paid a million bucks to be in charge of the offense and call the plays, you got to have success. And it's magnified and made more challenging when a new coach is going to come in, presumably to bring in his guys. So it's my opinion, like because Jim did not hire the assistant coaches on offense, I don't think I, I can't sit here and say he doesn't deserve the job because they're not getting it done. You know what I mean? Like, I, I that's hard for me to say. I think he owns he has to own the special teams because that's he's the head coach and he, the, those assistants are working and he's been working with uh, special teams. So he had like as a head coach, that's kind of what you have to own. But in terms of the offense, I can't sit here and say, no, look at this team. You can't give Jim Leonard the job. Look what happened yesterday. No, that like right. that to me, to me, you can't do any. He had no input whatsoever in what is happening on offense throughout the entire time. He's not going to walk into that offensive room and say, do this, do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. Like, that's not what he's going to do at this point. It's that it's and you're in the middle of the season. You're just that's you're not going to change things overnight. And again, they have had some success the last few weeks. There's no doubt about that. But it's only been against defenses that um, haven't necessarily been able to get after Graham. And, you know, Jim even said it last week. When you have an opportunity to protect him, he's able to make throws. That was not necessarily the case against Iowa, the times that they did protect him. Uh, he made a few nice throws, but way too many guys being overthrown. But I can't sit here and say that I'm going to blame Jim Leonard or he has to own what's happened on offense these last few weeks uh, or the last month. I, I Like, it's just 
I'm not going to I'm not going to base a decision on hiring him what happened has happened on offense the last month and a half. Well, I feel the same way because he was never supposed to be responsible for the offense. He spent all his time focusing on the defense, and all of a sudden, Paul Chris gets fired October 2nd. You've got a game six days later. He's in a position where he has to trust the offensive staff that he has in place. The guy is still running the defense. He's still been the safeties coach. Now he's in charge of the entire team. Um, And maybe we're picking and choosing here by giving him a pass for certain things, but I at least feel like it's a legitimate reason given the circumstances. And if he's got an entire offseason to put together a staff, an entire offseason to think about what he wants an offensive philosophy to be, and he can actually have input on it, that changes things significantly. So uh, certainly what happened on Saturday uh, is a further indictment on where things stand offensively. And I had referenced this, I think, in a story leading into the week that even though Wisconsin had had success in three wins under Leonard, I don't believe any of those three wins came against teams that had defenses that ranked better than 87th nationally in yards per play allowed. So to your point, they weren't very good defenses. But something else that you mentioned before in the big picture here that is just even more frustrating to this season is the mere idea that Wisconsin came into this game with a legitimate opportunity to potentially win the West This is a season unlike any that we've seen since the divisional split because the minute Purdue handed Illinois that 31-24 loss in Champaign, uh, it meant this is going to be the first year that there's ever going to be a West division winner with at least three conference losses. There'd never been a team that had lost more than two conference games. And I think you and I can both sit here and agree that Wisconsin didn't necessarily deserve to have that opportunity and isn't good enough to have that opportunity, which was proven against Iowa. But just the fact that that little sliver of hope opened and then closed immediately. Uh, It's even more, I think, frustrating and maddening because this is yet another big game or big moment, potential watershed moment in a season for Wisconsin and the Badgers come up short. And that's been the theme here the last few years that they're just getting further and further away from the goals. Yeah. And I think some of the players own that afterwards. I mean, as I said earlier in the, when we got this thing started, the defense was awesome. The defense did absolutely everything it needed to do, and the offense didn't. And Braylon Allen said that after the game. I mean, he goes, we we have to be better. I have to be better. I mean, I don't know if he said I have to be better when we talked to him. He said that later on, on uh, social media. And again, we'll get to him uh, in a little bit. But when your defense holds a team to 146 yards, which based on my research during the game um, – was the fewest in an Iowa win since at least 1989. That's 33 years. That's 30. It's been 33 years since they, and and likely much longer since they've won a game when uh, having 146 yards. That just tells you how bad the offense and special teams were. Cause Nick Herbig was unblockable in the first half. He had three sacks. The defensive line had four and a half tackles for loss. The guys at inside linebacker with Muma, uh, John Mena, and Jordan Turner combined for 18 tackles. They were all over the place. Iowa's offense ran it 45 times for 52 yards. That obviously includes uh, 41 yards in sack yards because Wisconsin sacked them six times. They had 11 tackles for loss. They didn't uh, allow what? I think the longest gain of the day was 19 yards um, on a run. Only two pass plays over 10 yards. Like It was a dominant performance. And yet, you lost by two touchdowns. That this to me is it. That to me is as big an indictment of what happened in the other two uh, and other two aspects of this team is is that total right there. 
this was a game in which the defense didn't deserve what happened to it. <laughs> and this is why Jim Leonard said after the game, he calls football the ultimate team game. And that's why you love it. And that's why you hate it. And this is a situation where you hate it because the defense, like you could not have asked them to do anything more. As you said before, the only two scoring drives that I was offense mustered came at for 17 yards out and 18 yards out. And the other touchdown was a pick six. And this was the first time that Wisconsin had surrendered fewer than 200 yards in a loss since 2009 against Ohio state. Obviously this just doesn't happen. And John Torcha, I think, had a pretty good quote about this after the game where he said, it's tough because you're in the locker room and you're thinking, damn, what were my minuses? Like as a defense, what were our minuses? Maybe we missed a couple tackles, but they really did just about everything right. And I I can't say it was unexpected because I was offense for the most part this season has been terrible, but you still got to go out on the field and execute. And they made it challenging all game. Iowa couldn't muster anything. And it was the result of mistakes everywhere else that Wisconsin lost this game. So I don't know what more you can say or what more you can want out of the defense. And and Herbig, my God, I mean, it's pretty clear at this point he's on his way out so he can become uh, the next NFL player that's a linebacker at Wisconsin. You look at his numbers to this point. He's got 15 and a half tackles for loss and 11 sacks. There's still still two regular season games to go, potentially a bowl game. When TJ Watt was a first team All-American, he had 15 and a half tackles for a loss and 11 and a half sacks. So Herbig is on that level. He is having an All-American type season. And I suppose one way to look at it is you could say it's a shame that it's sort of being wasted by what's happening everywhere else on the field. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. He has owned Iowa in his career. He's got five and a half sacks against them, six and a half tackles for loss. They've had no way to block him and that was certainly the case yesterday. I know Jim Leonard kind of lamented some of the yardage at the end of the game, but again, <laughs> at that point, at that point, what are you going to do, right? So, um, the defense didn't deserve. And how many times would he say that last year? Like the, <laughs> the defense didn't deserve what happened to them because of the offense. And uh, <laughs> and and I, I guess I shouldn't even say just last year. I mean, it was obviously in 2020 as well. The defense was pretty good and uh, could not get it done because the offense uh, was pretty inept. And I know that uh, a lot of guys were asked about it afterwards saying, you know, uh, Keanu, I should say, Keanu Benton said, you know, I've had this feeling before. Um, and he has. It, it feels like it's a continuous thing, especially the last three years. Like as a, as a freshman, in 2019, when the offense, you know, had had some really good days, he wasn't feeling that too often. But uh, he has felt it a ton these last few weeks, and that's unfortunate. But again, I mean, Iowa's offense horrible, uh, but Wisconsin's defense made them look even even worse than because they had had some success the last two weeks, right? Um, they had had some success against Northwestern, had some success against Purdue. They had very little to no success against Wisconsin outside of those two short scoring drives that were set up by mistakes from other parts of the team. All right, let's do the Braylon Allen thing right now. Um, let's do it. Braylon Allen, rumors last week that from a, a, a board post on a Michigan uh, recruiting site, Michigan, uh, I think it was on three, and the uh, one of the, I think the beat writer for that site, I can't remember, what was his name? Um, Chris Ballas. Chris, Chris Ballas. Chris Ballas. Uh, if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Yeah, someone, someone posted a rumor saying that you know, the, that there was a big time running back for another Big Ten school that was or it was looking to transfer to Michigan. And they asked him, like, 
is have you heard the same thing? And he said, yes, Braylon Allen. Now that it's out there, we'll see what happens. Well, it got out there and the rumors started flying and there were a lot of uh, fans not overly excited about it. So he went on a radio show on Friday in Milwaukee, uh, Drew and KB in Milwaukee. He has his normal Friday uh, hit that he does with them. And uh, he told them, as long as Jim Leonard's here, or all I can say is on Wisconsin, as long as Jim Leonard's here, I'll be here. Uh, he got pushed for more questions last night after the game and answered them all. I mean, I certainly uh, respect it for coming out and, and answering it all. He didn't have to do that. Uh, but he said he'd never had any contact with Michigan. He's got a buddy on the team that he's known for his entire life that he keeps in contact with, but he never had any contact with Michigan. He said he never had co- any contact with any other schools and that he's made it pretty clear that he wants Jim Leonard as their coach. I don't think he reiterated that if he's here, I'll be here. But he did say he at least did a talk with some of, the, some of his teammates. A lot of his teammates were asked about it last night, and yep. most of them said they had no clue what he was talking, what we were talking about. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I don't know if uh, um, they just didn't want to talk about it. But uh, he said he did talk to some of his guys and said, "I'm here with you. I'm all about Wisconsin. I'm here with you till the end of the season." I think there's a lot of people that are really zeroing in on the till the end of the season part, and that's I don't know if that's noteworthy or not, but. When you look at this whole situation, Jesse, it's it's a really tough look. And it, and it comes after a game, and it comes after a season where I think people have been pretty critical of Braylon, myself included, uh, of some of his running style. He's clearly not healthy. Uh, he's got the shoulder injury. He ran out of balance a couple times. And he said he said after the game yesterday that, you know, trying to be smart with it and, you know, trying to avoid certain hits. And, you know, when he goes down to the ground is when it hurts the most. And so there were a couple of runs I thought maybe he would put his shoulder down you know, previously, or if he was healthy and run through a guy to get a first down, he didn't do that. And uh, it's been pretty noticeable, I think, this year. But his whole situation is is uh, interesting, I guess I will say. It's a really tough spot for anybody, let alone an 18-year-old sophomore to be in. And no doubt that the left shoulder injury is something that's plaguing him. And he's been fairly open about the injury and was again after the game. I think it's still important to, to point out, this is a guy who's over a thousand yards rushing he's got 10 touchdowns so he's been productive not necessarily as productive as you would like and there are instances where you would want him to perhaps put his head down and hit the hole and I think even against Iowa you could see there were instances where he was leading with his right shoulder because he's got the injured left shoulder and and obviously instances where he he would go out of bounds and he said that it, it there are times especially when he lands on it when it's the most painful and this is just something that he has to accept if he wants to play the rest of the season that he's going to have this injury, but back to the whole transfer situation. I, first of all, agree with you a ton of respect for him coming out and answering those questions, which he absolutely knew he was going to, to face. We talked to him for six minutes. He was asked 13 questions. Nine of them were about the rumor with the transfer in Michigan. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to make of all of this. I think part of the speculation was fueled because and this is the social media age that we're in. He had followed Michigan's running backs coach. He had followed USC's running backs coach. But there was a 30-day transfer window after Paul Christ was fired. Some guys left. He wasn't one of them. And I think he made a pretty clear statement on the radio show to say that if Jim Leonard is here, that he'll be here. Now, you know, that's not signed and on the dotted line and things can change even if Leonard does get the job. But I think that's a pretty strong indication and a message sent 
that if you want me here, hire the guy that we all want to be the coach moving forward. And I, I mean, I can't blame him either way, but I absolutely couldn't fault him for wanting to look elsewhere if that isn't what ultimately happens. Um, so even though he didn't reiterate that on Saturday, I think the message was, was very clear, um, in the radio interview that he said, and he did say that we, we want him to be the head coach and we'll do anything to make sure that that happens. The other interesting aspect of this whole thing is what Jim Leonard had to say, because he was asked about it and, and he really, he didn't hold back in his displeasure with the circumstances in what he believes are the things his players has to endure. He he wasn't specifically referencing Michigan or even necessarily Braylon, but that's that was the impetus for this question. And he said, we have to recruit our team every day right now. And he said, I would never accuse any teams of tampering with your players, but teams are tampering with other people's players. And he's got to keep talking to them and, and giving them a clear vision. But then he did address Braylon specifically at the end when he just said, it's unfortunate that a kid has to address that with the media when it's not supposed to be real, but obviously it is. So this is a really hard spot for guys to be in. There's Teams are sensing there's blood in the water. There's uncertainty here. And because there is uncertainty, there hasn't been an announcement about Jim Leonard potentially being the permanent coach. Other schools, at least based on what Leonard is saying, feel like they can reach out to players and gauge their interest in the program. But this all comes down at this point to timing now, which we've been discussing for weeks because the 45-day transfer portal window starts on December 5th. And I won't be surprised if there are guys that that enter and it's going to be probably a mass exodus if it's not Leonard I think it's still going to be Leonard but it's just it's a really tough spot to be in it's been a difficult season for everybody and for Braylon to have to deal with these rumors and I think we should point out that he said like he had no idea this rumor existed it wasn't until some point on Thursday when he said an old friend sent him a screenshot that had been going around of this conversation when he realized that this was even a thing yeah um have to take him at his does word on that, you, right? Yeah, I was going to say, does it does it make you wonder what the truth is? Now, he said, uh, you know, it's the honest truth that he hadn't talked to anybody from Michigan. And, of course, all we can take him for right now is is his word. I, mean, I know the other element here is that idea of if there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, do we think yeah. that this came absolutely out of nowhere? Um, that's the interesting part. It's difficult for me to think that that was the case. You know what right. I mean? Like, I, th- there's definitely something there. And it, it may not be Michigan, right? I think you know, cause he mentioned specifically Michigan, right. Yeah. And, then, and I asked him later if he had contact with any teams and I don't know if he would have said yes in that situation, but he said no. So at least we have him. I want to say on the record saying no, but it, it feels like Michigan's not the only team uh, that would be a possibility. And actually I, I kind of feel like Michigan would be a long shot. I don't know if he would, because there's a lot that goes into a decision like this. It's not just whether you are uh, getting an opportunity to then take it to the next level. Braylon Allen is a um, he's a marketable player. He is a guy that is going to be a focus of attention, especially at Wisconsin, where the running back gets a ton of attention. And um, again, I we don't know the exact figures, but he's he's not doing horribly with NIL. There there is a there's plenty of money coming in. I think there's an opportunity for more money potentially elsewhere uh, if he's if Wisconsin's uh, collective or otherwise or any whatever however it works. There's there's more money otherwise, and I know that there has been also the mention of USC, that there's a lot of money to maybe made out in LA. We saw that with Caleb Williams, right? And when you're a marketable star and Braylon Allen is, I think he's more marketable in Wisconsin than he is in LA, but that's neither here nor there. There are going to be other people and other things coming at you that could potentially say, nope, 
I love Wisconsin, but I think I have to do what's best for myself and do and do this. So I don't I don't know if Braylon Allen will be here next year. But what he said yesterday, you would if you just took him at face value and you just said, "All right, I believe you. Absolutely, everything you said is true." Then he'll be at Wisconsin next year. Um, I don't think that's a guarantee. No, I don't think it's a guarantee. I, I do think the the aspect of that if Leonard is there, that he'd be there goes a long way. And again, just because you're saying it now doesn't mean that's what's going to come to fruition here in a few weeks. But clearly the entire NIL landscape has changed everything about college football because this just, I don't think, would even be a discussion pre-NIL because it, when it does come down to money, that is a huge determining factor in where a lot of these guys are going. And I mean, he's he's two years into his career, presumably if he if he wants to go to the NFL and puts together a great junior season maybe he's only got one year of college left um but it's a situation that is unfortunate i think all the way around because these are the types of conversations that you know you don't want out publicly to begin with but certainly not in the middle of the season and that just adds to what this program and Braylon has already been dealing with yeah so we'll we'll see where things go with Braylon and we'll see where some things go with, you know, a number of guys. It, it, I think as we've talked about throughout this entire time, I think a lot of it is going to be uh, offensively where you're going to see some guys probably uh, go to the portal, but that is a, uh, I guess something three weeks down the line that we'll, that we'll get to talk about And And again, as you mentioned, if Jim Leonard is not there, uh, did you call it a mass exodus? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I, I have no doubt, honestly, at this point. And I understand that players, don't always get what they want. If, if that were the case, Paul Chris never would have been fired. But just the way they've rallied around Leonard at this point, it would feel, I think if I was a player, it would feel like a total slap in the face, even though McIntosh has to do what he believes is best for the long-term future. That's how I feel as a player. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get into our Twitter questions. Uh, there are games where you know there are going to be a ton of questions, and it's usually performances like that that elicit them. So um, we got over 50 questions that may be a new high though the illinois game certainly provided quite a few uh as well um a lot of them are just shots at players so i will not be using all those okay um and so a lot of just opinions you know <laughs> not a question just wanted to just lay it out there yeah uh like like this, uh, South Dakota State defense held Iowa offense to three points. They are now ten and one and would easily win the Big Ten West. That's a possibility. I'm not going to say it it's might not. be. Um, Adam says, "What are Mertz's career stats against top forty defenses? He was awful. When did Braylon Allen check out? How many passes inside the numbers did they attempt?" So I'll start with the the first part with you know with Mertz against good uh, defenses. I think the Wisconsin offense in general hasn't been very good against good defenses. Um, you know, Purdue's defense coming into that game was ranked okay. Was it was it was a top fifty unit? Their passing defense was not great. Their 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 rushing offense was kind of where it was at. But he has, he, I mean, that but that is not just a Graham Mertz thing. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. That's an offensive thing, and and he's obviously a big part of that. But the games in which they struggle, and the games in which they play good defenses and they can't move the ball. It's because they can't run it more so than than anything else. When you can't run it, and people are able to to take away a lot of things that you want to do in the passing game, uh, especially this passing game, which has been better but still isn't anywhere close to where it needs to be, you're going to run into days like yesterday. And I'm not giving Graham a pass whatsoever. He was not good, even when he got time. A lot of throws off his back foot, 
a lot of footwork issues, missing guys who were wide open, um, which hasn't necessarily been the case this year. But I don't know how you feel about that. Like, is it? Do you think it's just a matter of uh, is it Graham? Is it good defenses? Is it a little mix of both? I honestly think it's everything um, got to be able to, I mean, it just is. You got to be able to run the ball effectively. But the thing is, if I think about Graham's career and I don't have the entire list of every game that he started since the 2020 season, but I don't know that I can say this was his signature moment against a really good team. The signature moment was his starting debut against a really bad Illinois team when he threw five touchdowns and was almost perfect. But since then, I'm not sure there's a game where you could really say like, this is where Graham stepped up and was the type of quarterback people believed he could be against a really good defense. Now he's had moments. He's he threw five touchdowns against Northwestern just last month, but Northwestern stinks. So, but in those games, the offense as a whole hasn't been great. Now you shoulder a, a larger part of the burden when you're the quarterback and you've got to play well, but it's got sort of an indictment on the entire offense. It's, you know, can you, can you get the playmakers the ball in space? And Graham has certainly struggled, especially when he's under pressure. But I, I do think that what happened against Iowa, when in the moments when he's got the time, you've got to be able to hit some of those throws. And there were throws where they were just not even close to the receiver. And if you connect, it could change the complexion of the game. But that's the thing that I think about with, with Graham at this point. And, and I, I give him credit. He, like He used all the cliches. He works extremely hard, as, as a quarterback should. He puts in all the time and the work. And he's gotten better this season. I think for the most part, the numbers bear that out. But when the the kind of rubber meets the road in these big-time games, I don't know if we've seen him step up to the, the plate and the offense in general, but that's why they haven't been able to win most of these games the last few seasons. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, sticking with Graham, uh, first, uh, Ryan, Ryan asks, uh, will Graham Mertz come back for a fifth year, which I guess would be next year? And uh, on top of that, Adam says Mertz might still be the best quarterback on the roster next year, but if they don't go to the portal, that is program malpractice. And I, I, I guess I don't really have an opinion on whether it'd be malpractice or not, but I do have an opinion on whether Jim Leonard, depending on the offensive philosophy that he has, whether it will be a different looking quarterback that Wisconsin wants to go. And I know everyone's that immediately think makes you think of Gary Anderson and <laughs> what they what they wanted to do the, the quarterback that can pass and can run um but they beat you I, with their arms their legs and their mind yes exactly <laughs> exactly and that obviously did not uh ever come to fruition for them but i think it, uh, you know whether they go to the portal or not i think will have a lot to do with whether uh, jim leonard uh, his philosophy as an offense and the person who bring whoever whoever is running the offense next year what they think that quarterback should be and um, I don't know. I think they probably will, will take a look at a bunch of different quarterbacks. I, I don't think they're they're going to have a guy in mind say this is what we want, this is what we need as a as a quarterback. But when you look at the guy that they did offer and, and Cole Crew, he's kind of a I don't want to say he's a dual threat, but he's got the ability to run a little bit. So maybe that maybe that gives you a vision. Again, he was way down the list of guys that they recruited. So we'll see what happens when they go into the twenty twenty four class and and try and find their guy there. But I don't know. Do you think they go to the portal this offseason, whether Graham is here or not? I, I feel like it's going to be very, very difficult if Graham is here to find somebody that wants to come in and compete for a starting job against a guy who's entering his fifth year with the program, no, yeah, matter, this is a, no matter who the offensive staff is. This is a big challenge. There's a lot of, I think, points and layers within this conversation. At this point, I have no reason to believe Graham won't be here, and I say that because – 
he is a three-year starting quarterback. He's a captain this year. There's no there's no reason to believe this wouldn't continue to be his team next year unless somebody comes in that's better. And the other part would be where would he go where he would be in a better situation in terms of knowing you are absolutely the starter. But there are a lot of contingencies on this. He's had three quarterbacks coaches and three offensive coordinators in the last three seasons. If Jim Leonard gets the job and, and cleans house offensively, well, his philosophy may differ in terms of what he wants. Now, I think, and Bobby Ingram has talked about this, one of the things that he likes and looks for in a quarterback is the ability to have some mobility. And some of Graham's success has come when they've rolled out of the pocket. You can see, especially when he, when he rolls to his right, he's able to have some success. But I, it, that that's the tricky part is if you bring in a transfer, uh, in part you're saying you're doing it because you – are saying you don't think what you have is necessarily enough. And if you're a transfer, you've already been in a program for at least a year and you don't want to go somewhere where you're going to sit. So it's a very delicate balance. But if I'm just looking at it objectively and, and the roster as a whole, I think you absolutely have to look at the portal. And right now we don't know who's going to be in there because it doesn't open up until December 5th, but there's going to be some good quarterbacks in there. There are every year. That I think is the one position where guys are more likely to move than at other positions because the roster in general, it's just, there's not enough there. I really like Miles Burkett. If you ask me right now who who I think the future at quarterback is for Wisconsin, I think it's Burkett because, <laughs> because of the Deacon Hill prediction. Yes. Um, and this is me saying it, not knowing what they're going to do with the portal. And obviously that could change everything. Let's say they go get a sophomore with three years of eligibility. He could jump over Burkett uh, now, but just what we've seen early, I like his, his accuracy. The guy completed almost 70% of his passes for his entire high school career, which you almost never see. Um, he had a really good showing earlier this year. He carries himself with maturity, but like Chase Wolf, he's a fifth year senior. And I talked to him after the Maryland game and that he doesn't necessarily know what he's going to do next year because he missed most of the season that people obviously have the extra year with the COVID year, but he's been a career backup and Cole crew that to me, that's a late bloomer. Who's a bit of a project in my mind. Uh, he's the number 99 quarterback in the 24 seven sports composite. And, and he is a dual threat. Like you watch some of his highlights and that's where he makes most of his plays. And uh, obviously I, he committed, I had a chance to talk to him this week and, but this is a guy who couldn't get any power five program to offer him a scholarship. Like, his sophomore year, he started basically bombarding coaches on social media and trying to text them by sending highlights. And in the end, what he got was a gray shirt offer from Colorado that didn't want him to come until 2024, uh, an offer from Tulane and one from Wisconsin. And that was really Wisconsin's really the only legit power five offer that wanted him right away. So I, I don't see that as a guy who's going to be impacting the program immediately. Um, obviously, they like his upside. But I say all this to say that I think you have to pursue the transfer portal to try to upgrade the roster. And, and what that means for Graham, I don't know. But there are a lot of layers here. And if you change the staff, that may change the direction you want to go with the quarterback. Yeah, I, I think when Jim Leonard talks about a lot of questions and a lot of decisions and a lot of things that they have to work over and work through as they get, assuming he gets the job, quarterback, I think, is is probably... a at the top of the list, uh, just in terms of what you want it to look like and what you want it to, what type of player you want. So um, I think that certainly uh, stands out. Um, next question is uh, why does everyone think Bob Bostad is a good coach <laughs> fired, fired in the NFL all year, his offensive line full of four and five star kids has been abused. Well, I think he built up a lot of clout with his first run as the O-line coach when they were the greatest offensive lineman <laughs> as a unit that Wisconsin's probably ever had. Um, 
you know, I, we're not in practices and I never profess to be a, a expert on offensive line play. So I don't know what's going on, but I think we could both agree that the line needs to be better. Now there had been seven different starting combinations in the first nine games. Um, and it may take a little more time with this group, but that's the frustrating part if you're a fan because the offensive line has always been the bread and butter of Wisconsin the last three decades. And if they're not having success, especially with the talent level, it just kind of makes you scratch your head. So I guess I don't necessarily have an answer to how good he is as a coach other than you kind of have to take the what he's built up over his career and and think that if he's got more time with this group, he can mold them in, in the image that he wants them to be. What are the classes of the guys that played the other day? I mean, they're young. That's the other thing. Malman, okay. Malman's a redshirt freshman. Yep. And this is his first year. As a, I mean, this is his first few games as a starter. He started the first game and then was hurt for half the year. Trey Wedding is a class of 2020, so he's a redshirt sophomore. Jack Nelson's a redshirt sophomore. Um, obviously, Tippman is a, is a junior and has, uh, is a multi-year starter. But yeah, I mean, and Bordellini's, I think. A redshirt sophomore. Third year in the program. So it's it's a very young group. And I do think there's a lot of potential there. Um but that's part of it too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that would be my answer to that a little bit. I think that usually you're hoping that you're not having to play these guys until they're juniors and seniors. Um, that's that's kind of what Wisconsin's offense has been. And, and right now they're having to go through this stuff. And I, I think I pointed this out when I was going through the depth chart on offense. And uh, you look at it, there was not a single a guy that would be without of eligibility after this year on offense in the in the starting unit. There are, are five seniors in the two deep four of which could come back if they wanted to for a six year. Now people are probably screaming at me right now saying, we don't want any of those guys back. Did you see what just happened yesterday? I don't want any of those guys back, but that's the thing with what Wisconsin has to do. It's, it's a development program. And I know people are going to hate to hear that, but these guys are going to be better next year and better the year after assuming, um, you know, they stick around. So I, I think that is certainly um, something to keep in mind when, when you're talking about the offense line. And again, I, I feel like we're given excuses, but I think it's also facts to an extent. They need to be better. There's no doubt about that. They weren't good enough, but there are reasons uh, behind that. The next question is, uh, you, you mentioned Miles Burkett. Do you think he's a real option next year? This um, uh, this question says I, he's got to believe yes, but if Leonard stays, he's worried he's going to ride Mertz. I don't think he's a real option if Graham is still here. I, I just, I mean... Maybe he improves enough to give Graham a run for his money. Um, I, I just, I'm, I have a hard time seeing a, a three-year starter getting jumped. And uh, obviously, we're coming off Graham not playing a very good game. He's still thrown 18 touchdown passes this season, and he's done some very good things. And uh, I just don't know that that's going to happen. But if you want to change what the program can be, that's certainly one way to do it: is just go with somebody else. But I think if you're going to make that decision. Uh, I mean, you probably let it play out in, in camp and, and see what's going to happen. I don't know that you would say before the season, like, hey, Graham, we're, we're going to go with somebody else. Um, you got to go and earn it. If they don't add anybody, Graham Mertz is going to be the starter next year. 100%. Yeah. So, um, sorry, folks. Buffy Badger says, what had more to do with Wisconsin losing to Iowa? And he wants you to rank these, Jesse. Okay. Graham Mertz, Braylon Allen, offensive line, special teams, go. Wow. Um, special, ooh, special teams is one to me because uh, they were just bad. <laughs> Easy. I mean, you know, they, I, again, both of Iowa scoring drives started inside the 20 because special teams was bad. So that's one to me. Uh, 
you know, two, I guess I would go. It's it's between Mertz and offensive line. I guess I would go Mertz because he literally threw a pass that led directly to a touchdown. Yeah. Um, three is offensive decision. line. Yeah. yeah. Three three is offensive line to me. They were not good. Too many penalties. Too many mistakes. And and I and in this question, four would be Allen. Yeah, I agree with that. I I agree with that. Um, Zach says, uh, does the Big Ten and NCAA have the authority to review? targeting penalties after a game because <laughs> what we what we saw with Jack Campbell's hit on Isaac Garendo going down to the ground his knee was down Campbell leaves leads with the crown of his helmet drills Isaac Garendo in the helmet no call no review no nothing at a minimum that call should have been reviewed I, I kind of think if it's reviewed Jack Campbell gets thrown out of the game uh, it was it, that was he was defenseless his knee was already down and he put his helmet right into uh, into Isaac Garendo. It's I don't want to call it a cheap play, but it's definitely targeting, and it should have been called. And he should have been uh, there. Should have been a penalty. Wisconsin keeps the ball. Instead, they punt it, and that was when the forty one yard return happened that uh, set up make it a two score game. So I mean, it needed to be reviewed. It needed to be reviewed. And and I, I don't think we even mentioned it. Uh, you know, Andy Vujovic did mention it. He got hit by two different guys on that punt. And it was and that I saw the officials like going back and forth and talking to each other as they ran down the field and they didn't throw a flag. I don't at the at a minimum, it's running into the kicker. It's not like he went down on his own. So there were a couple couple officials things, but the the egregious one was Jack Campbell spearing Isaac Arendo. I'm not aware of targeting calls being adjudicated after the fact. Like I don't think they are days later. I think, you know, if it doesn't happen in the moment, it, it doesn't happen. But yeah, I, it was targeting and. And you could see when you watch the replay that Isaac kind of looked up and you could see him uh, touching his helmet, trying to alert a referee that he felt it had been targeting. And those are always a challenging call because you, like Isaac is going to the ground. The guy is trying to make a play and people's the angle of your body changes so quickly. But in the end, what matters is it was helmet to helmet contact and Isaac was already on the ground and it absolutely should have been reviewed and it wasn't. And it's a mistake on the official's part. That's all you can say. Yeah. Uh, Tim says, what do you guys see this team needing to accomplish in the final games to set the table for success next year, yeah. given the offseason on the horizon? So to me, they have to make a bowl game. I think that is just so important. And I realize that the exact bowl and if it's the Motor City Bowl in Detroit, that ain't exactly exciting in late December. But First of all, you've been to a bowl every year since the, the 2002 season. But more than that, I think you get, I think it's the opportunity if Jim Leonard earns the job that you get these extra weeks of practice and and bowl prep. I, I think sometimes that goes maybe under discussed the importance of that because how many times when we talk to coaches and players during that time are they telling us about the future? Are they telling us about these practices where it's just young guys practices? You can't do that during the season can't just devote a practice or two straight practices to young guys because you got to get ready for a game. And that can help set the table for future success, for Leonard to know that this is his team, to get an extra few weeks. So, I mean, like if it doesn't happen, that's not the end of the world. But if it doesn't happen, that means Wisconsin went five and seven and Leonard went three and four in his seven games. And as much as I think he probably will be the next coach, like that's not exactly a ringing endorsement so to me i think you've at minimum got to win one of these next two just so you can get into a bowl game to try to start building things because as soon as the season ends you go into off-season conditioning but 
those extra weeks of practice are really vital. Yeah. Uh, CT Badger says two questions, one angry, one existential. The angry one first. Why the do we continue to ignore special teams coaching? I don't think <laughs> they have it. I don't think they have ignored special teams. I mean, they obviously had a dedicated one for the first seven years of Paul Chris tenure and their special teams were, were never great. I mean, they, I mean, they had a couple of good returns on kickoffs, right? That, yep. that, that was, that was a good time. Um, and then the existential one is, do we give Ingram another year to grow as, uh, as an OC and play calling skills or settle merch with a fourth offensive coordinator in four years? Because I think that's another part of this. Uh, yep. Grant Graham's had a ton of different guys in his year. I don't think it's four. Well, I guess if you, yeah, I mean, I guess if you count Rudolph as the offensive coordinator as opposed to to Chris, but I mean, that I think is a big part of it. You get one more year of the Big Ten West, and you get a year where you're going to have a lot of guys coming back, at least offensively, that do you want to switch it all up again? Before yesterday, I was like, no, just just what you have here, build on it and go. But after yesterday, it just, it just feels like, and I know you don't want to make a decision off one game, and Jim Leonard's not going to, but I would be... If I was a fan, I'd probably be pretty disappointed if if that was the case. I'm just not sure if I'm Jim Leonard and I get the job, if my mentality or philosophy would be like, oh, let's give Bobby Ingram one more year to see whether this works out. Um, I mean, either you believe in him or you don't. Um, And if you want to have a different philosophy and if you want this staff to be your own, then ultimately you do make some changes. Um, uh, again, unless you believe that you've seen enough progress in the in the seven games to think that that he's the answer for the long term future, I think that's more important in the in the end than the idea that Graham would be working with a fourth offensive coordinator and fourth quarterbacks coach, and that is certainly far from the ideal scenario. I know Graham has talked about how he's tried to take the things that he's learned from everybody and put it together to to make him the best quarterback that he can be, but I don't think you can say well. Here's this one year where there's a window of opportunity with guys coming back and the West division could be open. So let's just stick with what we've got. If what you've got hasn't been successful. You have to look at the long term. Exactly. That's my to. point. Yeah, you have to. And I, I totally agree. What's a question, Jesse, that you get all the time that you answer all the time and yet it still gets asked? <laughs> Probably something anything? about Mertz. I don't know. Okay. Is there anybody else at running back that they can use? Ah. Because... That was yes. that was that was a very <laughs> uh, frequent question, and I mean it's been a question throughout the year, and I, I'm sure you can uh, know which guy I'm talking about. Uh, there's obviously uh, Braylon Allen and Isaac Grando and Ches Malusi, but who's that fourth <laughs> guy? Where's where's why why is the fourth guy not getting some reps when the other guys aren't getting it done? Yeah, Julius Davis. Uh, Julius that Davis. Is, that is a question that I do get asked quite a bit. Um, I think. Uh, this is tough because, again, we're not in practices and we haven't been since like the second week of August. But I would say that they've had now three running backs coaches, John Settle, Gary Brown, Al Johnson, who have all made the same determination. And the, they're the ones that are looking at practice. And and there's really talented running backs at Wisconsin. And so you want to get the most carries to Braylon. Isaac has certainly shown that he deserves to be out there. And maybe you could say that Julius has earned the right to a handful of carries. I don't know. But that's just the way things have been that uh, just a career reserve who can't quite get over the hump. Now he's earned a lot of praise. Um, I asked Braylon about him, I think last week and he talked about just, he felt like Julius was, was doing all the right things and, and going to get some opportunities. And I think Jim Leonard had mentioned that at some point that Julius got 
banged up or was hurt or something like that. And I didn't really press on that. So I don't know any details, but I think that's just the overarching thing here is, okay, you've had three position coaches and they've all felt like you haven't quite been able to crack the rotation. Got a ton of talent, right? I mean, we saw what he did in high school, but at a certain point, it's not about what you did in high school. You know, he's been in this program for what, four years. Um, And there've just been too many guys that were ahead of him to get any carries. Based on the reps in pregame yesterday and warmups, Brady Shipper was the third running back. So, yeah, so that says a lot. Yeah, it does. It also says, I mean, Brady Shipper was on the field a bunch last year. And I think we kind of yep. talked about this before. He has not played a snap on offense yet. So they like Isaac. They like Braylon and uh, Chess. It Ch- it sounds like I mean, someone and someone did ask where you know what's the status of Chess and Lucy. It sounds like Leonard said strong possibility that he plays again this this year. I mean, there's only two games left here in the regular season. I guess it's there's a shot that he plays against Nebraska or Minnesota. So I don't really know what that is going to change. But he was him and Braylon are a nice mix. I think I think that's fair to say. And and Isaac gives them that big play potential whenever he touches the ball. But um, those are the top three. And I, you know the other guys are break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, that sounds about right. So yeah. far, it hasn't gotten to that point. It has not. Which is, I mean, based on what we've seen. Kind of insane. Uh, Matt says, do other fan bases white knuckle their seat as much as I do during Wisconsin's punt and kick returns? Seems like I'm always on edge. Well, I can't speak to the other FBS programs, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I, a lot of them do, but I don't know. Special teams, has been, it's been an adventure. Yeah. Uh, John says, is the Big Ten West the worst division in college football? What is the most number of losses? From, I don't have the answer to this, but I'm going to ask the question anyways. What's the most number of losses from a conference champion participant this century? or any conference. Um, I'm guessing that they're back in the big 12 well, <laughs> when the big 12 was it the big 12 West or no, excuse me, the big 12 North. There were some not so great teams uh, going up against uh, Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. What do you, do you think it's the worst conference worst division in, in college football? Well, I, I can only, I think if you say power five, probably, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just a bunch of mediocre teams beating each other up to earn the right to go play either Ohio State and Michigan and lose by three, four, five, six touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think Iowa's defense can compete mm-hmm. with, with with Michigan. Not going to compete with Ohio State. We saw that because their offense is not nearly good enough. But that leads me into the, in the, this question is, and Chris says, when, is, when it comes to winning conference championships and making an expanded playoff, is it better to have a more dominant defense or a more dominant offense? Uh, I, I'm the thing is, you're asking this question of someone who's had to watch Wisconsin play <laughs> all these years, and so my answer is going to be an offense because last year they had the best offense or defense statistically that they've had in in some categories, and yet went nine and four and didn't win the West Division. Uh I'd like to think if you've got a great offense, you can just <laughs> outscore teams. Uh, obviously, you'd like a little bit of both. But I guess that's my answer, just having watched the last three years of Wisconsin football. But I don't know. I mean, if you <laughs> asked me a few years ago, they'd gone. I mean, look look how much success they had in the decade. And I mean, the two most explosive offenses were 2010 and 2011. But I mean, think of the year that the defense kept bailing out the offense when Alex Hornibrook was the starter. So it could probably go either way. I will close with this one. Adam says, are we sure Jim Leonard is the man 
I'm still not sold. Yeah, I, I understand the skepticism. I just think that they're in a spot right now where I would ask, who do you think would be better to lead the program for the long-term future? Because anybody you bring in is a crapshoot. I mean, look at all the the coaches who get hired and you just never know whether it's going to be successful or not. I, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't find somebody who's going to be the guy, but I think it's going to be Leonard. I still feel like I've seen progress here. These five games, certainly the Iowa game leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth, but I think the way the players have rallied around him says a lot. And I do think that, I think it's worth exploring what that long-term vision would be and him getting the opportunity to build the team in, in his image because that's the other part is what's happening this season is yes he's in charge but this is not his staff so there's no way to know for sure until this plays out but i think ultimately he's going to be the guy yeah i would agree again we as we talked about early in the episode i am not going to blame him for what's happening on offense i just i can't do it i I can't sit here and say this is his fault that they're unable to move the ball against an iowa defense that they're unable to protect that they're unable to make the throws to open guys that they're under, under able, unable to make plays in the run game. I just, I just can't do it. Um, he didn't hire any of those guys. If his offense, if he goes out and hires a bunch of guys next year and replaces, you know, what they have on the offensive staff, which I think he will, and they are not very good. He gets all the blame, right? Like that's, he's the one that made the hire. He's the one that gets the blame. I'm not, that's what happens here. When you make hires, you get the blame. It'll be just like if, if Jim Leonard fails, Chris McIntosh will get the blame. That's that. That's what happens here. And when he did not make those hires, I'm not going to give him the blame for what's happening on offense. I will blame. I, I will take some issue with what's happening on special teams. I mean that he he does have a role there, uh, especially uh, in the return unit. So like there, it is what it is at this point. But he's going to be the next head coach at Wisconsin. I think a lot of people should be excited about that, and I think he's got a great vision for the future of this program. But again, it, it won't matter unless it actually happens. And they they get an he gets an opportunity to uh, to install it and and see how it plays out. He is their he in my mind he is their best option and it's that's pretty clear to me. Uh, he's been the best option for for years now. You always knew that he was going to be the next guy at Wisconsin, and now that they're at this point, you're going to change it because they couldn't do anything offensively against Iowa, and then they were trash on special teams for one game. Though again, haven't been great all the time on special teams. I just can't do it. I, he's the next head coach. It is what it is. Um, he's the guy, and I think you give him a shot because I don't think anybody else is going to be able to come into this program and understand it and know what it needs to be about better than Jim Leonard while also while also being able to change some things that need to be changed and, and bring it more into the modern times, both on the recruiting front and aisle front and all that type of stuff. I think he's the best option, and he's going to be the option. So you can keep on asking, but I think that's going to continue to be the answer. So anything you wanted to add? No, I think that's well put. I think we all expect it, and it's just a matter of when, not if, because that's the thing is we're all waiting here. Okay. Last, last regular season games, November 26th, they haven't publicly posted the job. It has to be posted for seven days before it can be filled. And so it's just a waiting game right now until it happens. It is a waiting game and one that, uh, you know, people are getting tired of, but it is what it is. And I think Jim Leonard's getting tired of it, but we'll see. Uh, Wisconsin will head to Nebraska to play for the Freedom Trophy. They are without the Heartland Trophy and without Paul Bunyan Zacks. I, I mean, by this time next week, they could be without a single trophy in their their locker room for the first time in forever, ever, ever, ever. Uh, either way, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from the Athletic. You've been listening to the Camp.